are listening to the Devil's Talking Potters podcast for East Village Times. Coming to you from the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication, here are your hosts, Dominic Stern and Bobby Murphy. Welcome to Devil's Talking Padres. Bobby couldn't be with us this morning, woke up with a sore voice, and uh, we just said, you know what, we'll have you on next time. But we do have a guest today, fellow EVT writer and editor for us. Matt Wadley is here to join us on Devil's Talking Padres. Matt used to be a writer for EVT, and then he took a break. Now he's back with us. We decided to have him on the podcast even before Bobby uh, decided to not be on today. But thank God he's here because I, I would just have to sit here and talk about the Padres for 25 minutes by myself. So, Matt, thank you for joining us. And how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. And uh, I totally get talking by yourself. Uh, it can be a struggle for it can be a struggle just hearing your own voice after so many times. So thanks for having me on and excited to talk about the Padres. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's been mostly bad news for the Padres as of late. And we'll, we'll of course talk about the giant series as a whole and then preview the Texas Rangers series afterwards, like we do on every single episode. But there's obviously more important news than talking about the games. And that of course is the fact that Fernando Tatis Jr. went down with an injury, he had a left shoulder subluxation, which basically means it was partially torn. And it seems like everything's going to be fine. But for the meantime, he's on the injured list. What did you make of the injury? And were you surprised by the outcome of it with uh, only being on the 10 day injured list and not having surgery? You know, initially, I thought it was, I thought it was over. Like I thought his season was done like on Monday when it happened. I think that's what everybody thought. Uh, as far as the diagnosis, to be honest, I'm still worried about it because I know he's on the 10 day IL, but like, it's just, it's such a scary situation because you don't want to rush him back and then risk further injuries. So, uh, I mean, I'm hopeful that he comes back sooner rather than later. I think that's everybody. Right. But I'm very nervous about the situation in general because you don't want to rush him back and lose him for the year. So, uh, the Padres have to be cautious about this, but I mean, best case scenario is he comes back in a couple of weeks. So we'll see what happens. Right. Because my reaction was that he was also going to be out. I don't, I wasn't concerned about the season, but I was concerned like he doesn't come back until like September and the Padres, you know, at that point are a struggling team and whatnot. But it was good news to hear that he will be okay and that it seems like he's going to be fine at some point. But to me, it's like, all right, I'm glad he's okay. But at the same time, I'm concerned that this thing could flare up again and all of a sudden he could tear it some more or whatnot. Cause I've read reports. Cause I mean, that's what all Potters fans are doing that if he chooses not go with surgery at some point, he could tear it even worse. And all of a sudden the shorter, the shoulder issue becomes a much bigger issue than what it has been. And Bobby and I, we talked about this on the first podcast after the first series, you could clearly tell that he wasn't there hundred percent health wise. Like you could tell that it was bothering him. He was opening up. He was keeping it closed at some points. Like the left shoulder was clearly hindering everything he was doing. And then with one swing of the bat, his one-handed follow-through, which is completely fine. That's how he swings. But you're putting more stress on that left shoulder when you do that. And it just took a wrong angle when it, when he followed through. And all of a sudden, it tore. But well, who knows when he's going to come back. He is eligible to return on Friday, April 16th, which is – of course, the uh, series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, part of me hopes that he doesn't return for that because, you know, like I said, we want him to make sure when he comes back, he's 100% healthy and that this doesn't happen again. But like you mentioned, 
relieved that it wasn't as serious as we all thought, but at the same time, you're like, okay, you know, is this going to be a lingering issue for the next 14 years? Cause the Padres signed to a 14 year contract, Matt, you concerned about that? Honestly, not really. I'm not concerned about like the long-term effects. I think, uh, obviously, you know, he did something in spring training and, and kind of, it's been bothering him since, like you mentioned, uh, I'm not worried about the long-term effects. I'm just worried about the short term and, and this season, I think, I think in the long term he'll be fine, right? But for Tatis, like he wants to be out there. That's the thing. Like he wants to be there. So the team needs to step in and they need to like really manage him because we know he's gonna play. If, like if he can play at all, he's gonna be out there. So, but as far as long term, I'm not. I'm not too concerned about the long term. Maybe I'm just being optimistic. But they wouldn't have signed him to a 14 year deal if they didn't check all the boxes before before that contract. Yeah, I sure hope that the front office definitely put this into consideration. And like you mentioned, it's in the hands of the health experts. We're not health experts here, but I've had shoulder injuries through baseball. They're not fun. They linger. But Tatis, obviously, is a professional athlete, so he's more inept to handle it. So hopefully he can come back healthy uh, sooner rather than later. But when he comes back, I want him to be 100% for sure. So let's get into the series. Uh, let's just go with our first takeaways. Uh, the results of the series were not very good for the Padres, especially the offense. First game, lost 3-2. Of course, Tatis went down in that series or in that game. Game two, Padres ended up victorious. 3-1 victory, courtesy of a Victor Carantini home run. And then on Wednesday, the third game, Padres ended up losing in extra innings, 3-2. to two. What, what were your overall takeaways from the series, Matt? Pitchers did well and the hitters didn't, right? Pretty simple, but <laughs> I mean, it's weird because the Padres have one of the best lineups in baseball and they just couldn't find ways to hit. Except for Caratini, like at the beginning of the year, who thought Caratini was going to be the reason the Padres won a couple games up until this point? Probably not very many people, right? So, um, of course, you know, I see a lot of stuff about Tingler and where he puts people in the lineup. I'm not concerned about that. I think we saw that last year that Jace Tingler is going to do whatever he wants. He's going to mess with, with stuff in the bullpen. He's going to mess with the batting order. It, it's just what he's going to do. We just have to accept that's who he is. So um, all in all, I think, you know, I was, I was really happy with the way the pitchers performed in general, bullpen, relievers, starters. Uh, the offense just has to do a better job, especially against the Giants. Like, they don't have a good pitching staff in general. So I don't, I don't know what happened, but. Monday, you could just tell after Tatis went down, the whole team was just, I mean, that, that was their main concern. So maybe we could toss out that Monday game for that reason. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I keep telling myself is, you know, the Padres, they weren't in it mentally and, you know, credit to the giants they, they they took care of business. They won two out of three against a team that's better than them, a team that's projected by many to be one of the best teams in all baseball. And we all think is one of the best teams of baseball. So you know, you got to give credit to them. But yeah, like you mentioned, the Padres weren't in it mentally at the plate. Things did not go well. Now, I think they definitely hit the ball better than what the results show. And uh, that that definitely shows up if you look at baseball somewhat. The expected batting averages of this team are through the roof. And I, I saw a tweet actually this morning that said the Padres, no one's hit the ball harder than the Padres so far this year. They have the highest hard hit rate in baseball. Uh, they're tied with the Astros, but you know, it's the best. The Astros at the same time, I believe they are, they're five and one. And then the Padres are four and three. So uh, getting a little unlucky 
But that's how baseball works. There's going to be games where the Padres get lucky and they win when they probably shouldn't have happened. So I, I'm not I'm not panicking. There was a lot of panic on Padres Twitter following the series. And, you know, rightfully so, the Padres lost two out of three. And I, I don't know. Padres fans should be used to losing series to their divisional rivals, especially the Giants. So I don't know why everyone was panicking. But and I, we talked about this on previous episodes. The Padres weren't going to get off to as good of a start as people expecting them to be due to the injuries. And then of course, Tatis gets injured and that doesn't help it out, but Padres are expecting Trent Christian to be back and recall him on Friday. That'd be awesome. Cause of course the, the playing center field has not been as good as it was last year with Christian out there and love Tommy. I love Jorge. Uh, I think those are the only two guys. I don't think Profar's played any reps in center yet, but they are not as good defensively as Grisham are. I mean, Mateo's faster, but the jumps and routes that Grisham gets are unbelievable, and he will be needed mightily. Grisham would have caught that ball yesterday. That's that's all I'm going to say. Probably. <laughs> and I mean, if that ball's caught, the Padres win the game. So, happens. What are you going to do? All right, let's 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 talk about the games as a whole. Obviously, game one, Padres dropped three to two, and the story of this game was the fact that Fernando Tatis Jr. got hurt. And then after that, the Potter's offense just kind of died. I mean, it was a Caratini show. He drove in both runs this game. Uh, do you have any other takeaways from game one? I mean, I do like Cronenworth batting leadoff. I mean, he went three for five. And I like him as kind of a table setter, especially when you have Tatis and Machado right after him. I mean, obviously, when Grisham comes back, Grisham's the leadoff guy, right? But I think getting Cronenworth in the top of the order is, is important for setting the table for your big guys. Yeah, I agree. No Fernando Tatis Jr. leadoff. Obviously, yeah. not an option right now, but uh, do not bat that dude leadoff. He's too good of a hitter to have no one on base uh, guaranteeing when he comes up that first try and then have the pitcher hit in front of him. That's just not how it's – that's not going to work. And I agree. Cronenworth, great option. Grisham's a better leadoff hitter, but mm-hmm. what Cronenworth's done at that leadoff spot and so far in the year gives promise. In case Grisham can't come back and return to his form at where he was last year – the Potters have another option and maybe they'll ease in Grisham by putting him down lower in the order uh, to start, get him more adjusted to the game speed and then bump him up to that leadoff spot. If he's playing well, because frankly, Cronenworth's playing well enough to justify moving him down in the order would be a little weird. Now. I mean, it's justified because Grisham's a really good leadoff hitter, but at the same time, don't fix a working clock. So I, I would leave it there. My, my main takeaway is that Jace Tingling needs to stop pitching Craig Stammen for a second inning. This is ridiculous because those, those who have listened to either this podcast or the UVT podcast or follow me on Twitter know that I'm a big Craig Stammen believer. I think he is so much better than the rep that he gets. And I think he's a pretty reliable reliever. And every single time he's come out and he's thrown that first inning, he's looked dominant so far. And I'm like, yes, Craig, way to go do it. But both times so far this season – Craig Stammen is put back in at hitting. And I'm like, oh, no, because then you know he's going to come out and pitch for, for a second inning. And both times, it has come back to bite the Padres with a Cattell Marte home run and a Carlos Stramski home run. And it's not just because Craig Stammen, you know, he's older and, like, his arm gets tired. It's not just that. Because when you go between innings and you see the guy come back out, all of a sudden the guys that have hit – are relaying the information. What is he looking like and other stuff? There's more time for the coaches to pull up the scouting report and relay that to the next hitters. And so when you Stramski and Marte come up, 
the two best hitters on those two teams, all of a sudden, now the best hitters have seen this pitcher more times than the other hitters have. And then all of a sudden, Craig Stammen is on the, I don't want to, he's got, he's got the harder duty now all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it's bad managing is what that is. And I'm not saying Tingler is a bad manager, but that instance, both those instances, we talked about this on the last podcast, are bad managerial decisions. This time it cost the Potters the game. The last time it did it, but that lineup had Fernando Tatis Jr. in it. So I, I don't know. Murray Hone, four innings pitched, two earned runs. No one seemed to be panicking about him. Uh, he threw 64 pitches and 41 strikes, which are both career highs so far. What, what were your impressions of Adrian Murray Hone? I love Murray Hill so much. In the offseason, I was really nervous because uh, I had a feeling he was going to get traded, and I was just so happy they kept him. I mean, he's a stud, man. I, I've been saying this for years. Like, Murray Hill is an absolute stud, and whether he's a starter, whether he's a long reliever, like, he'll do whatever, so that's a good thing. But, you know, going forward in the future, I think he's perfect guy to be the back end of that rotation. I mean, how unfair is it that the Padres have Murray Hill, Weathers, and Gore, all stud left-handers, and just just waiting for their for their turn. So they've really done a good job finding those guys. And every time I watch Morejo, I'm like, this guy is just he's really he's really special. He's a pretty talented fifth starting pitcher, I would say, Matt. And uh, he's coming out throwing 97 from the left side with three off-speed pitches. It's like what what we like. <laughs> normally, Padre fans are used to some scrub throwing 87 as their five pitcher that. Morejon's coming in and he's just throwing heaters. Now, I am a little concerned. He needs to be able to pitch deeper in the ballgames if he wants to stay in the starting rotation. He's going to be on the Padres for a very long time unless he's traded and Padres take advantage of his value, which, like you said, hope they don't do. But he needs to be able to throw more than 64 pitches if he wants to be a starting pitcher in this rotation. And I think that he'll get there, but it was very encouraging to see him throw 64 pitches in this outing. And Hopefully he'll be able to go five or even six innings and uh, help out the bullpen because part of the reason Craig Stammen is going that second inning is because Morejon was only able to go four. So there is also that. So I think that wraps up the conversation for game one. Game two definitely went a lot better for the San Diego Padres. Yu Darvish was absolutely fantastic in this game. He went six innings, three hits, one earned run. The one run was on a Brandon Crawford home run. The ball was crushed, and at that point, you're like, oh, no, are the Padres going to fall behind and not going to be able to score again? Uh, Eric Cosmer and the Padres responded immediately, and Caratini at the two-run home run in the seventh inning to put the Padres out in front. But bullpen was perfect. Kella, one inning, two strikeouts. Pagan, one inning, two strikeouts. Melanson got his third save of the season, one inning, one strikeout. What were your impressions and takeaways from game two? I mean, game two is the ideal Padres day, right? Like you want your starter to throw six solid innings, maybe seven. And then you could go Kella, Pagan, Melanson. You could go Pomerantz, Pagan, Melanson. Pomerantz, Kella, Melanson. I mean, I wrote a piece about the bullpen like last month and the Padres have so many options in that bullpen. Like that's such a nice thing, which is going back to your point on Stammen. Like, I don't know why he brings Stammen out for a second inning when you have unlimited bullpen options. So. I mean, this is the perfect, the perfect Padres, Padres game. Darvis threw six. He probably could have thrown a seventh inning, right? But with the Kelo Pagan Melanson trio, no need to really bring him out for a seventh inning. So 
Uh, Darvish did his job. The bullpen did their job. And I mean, three runs, obviously you want to see more, but three runs is enough when you have your ace on the mound. I mean, 89 pitches. Darvish could have gone another one. It's still early in the season. You don't want to like throw him out there for another inning and then have him get hurt. And then all of a sudden the Potters are really in trouble. So yeah, I, I think he could definitely get more, but at this point in the season, it's probably not worth it. And the Potters were able to capitalize. Kella got the win and it was a great game, only allowing three hits. The Potters are going to win just about every game when you allow three hits. And it's exciting to see that you, Darvish, said in his post game, I wasn't at my best. Well, if his best is six innings, three hits, and one run with seven strikeouts, the Potters are in for a, uh, a pretty good season. And I was certainly excited by that comment because I know he's going to be better and he still looked good. Only 55 strikes. I think that's what he really wants to get at is throwing more strikes, pounding the zone. That way he can be a little bit more efficient so that he can work deeper into games. Uh, and I, I'm confident in him. I've always loved Darvish. I, I defended him even when he was struggling in Chicago. And it's paid off. And now he's a Padre. And it's awesome. Of course, he brings along Caratini to go along with him. And Caratini has been... I mean, one of the Padres' best offensive players so far. And, I mean, I saw someone say that Caratini has been the best part of that deal. And I said no. But, I mean, they're not, like, wrong in that aspect because Caratini has been great for the Padres. Yeah. It's kind of like the fan trade last year, right? I mean, Cronenworth was a throw-in, and then it worked out well for the Padres. Right. And, I mean, fam has been fam. I mean, he's not you, Darvish. Let's say that. No, for sure. And, uh... But yes, you're right. The 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 B guy in the trade, you know, like the I don't want to call either of them a throw in because it seems like they weren't. But yeah, the guy that the Padres weren't primarily training for has been just as good, and then in the fam case, better than the guy that the Padres were trying to acquire. And fam fam brings his his value in the clubhouse, so I'm not too concerned. But yeah, I agree. Like those guys, they, they've been just as good. So let's move on to game three. Of course, Potters lost this one three to two in extra innings. It was their first loss with the new extra innings rule as the Potters put a perfect 4-0 in 2020 with that rule. Tweeted that out. Of course, they lost in this game. But Potters, they played well, hit the ball hard. The home run from the Giants off, uh, off the bat of Ruff, it, uh, it hit off Mateo's glove, and he definitely put it over the fence. Tough luck. But you know what? He capitalized. He, I don't want to say he made up for it, but he singled in a run on the fifth, and then Will Myers tied up the game in the eighth. Uh, Giants were able to score in the tenth after Tim Hill kind of made like a weird play where if he actually makes it, the Giants don't end up scoring, but it was a really tough play, and I think that he thought the runner from third was going home. Uh, tough play. I'm not going to criticize him too much. And then the Padres were unable to score in the bottom of the tenth, even with the runner on second base and no outs. So Padres ended up losing this game, only five hits. What were your takeaways from this game? Uh, that Mateo play hurt so much because, uh, <laughs> I mean, that was a difference maker. But Snell, uh, I know I love Snell. And you take away the home run, and, you know, he had basically a perfect outing besides that. So, I mean, Snell's stuff plays so well. And then the bullpen usage, right, Taylor Williams, Weathers, Pomerantz, Melanson, and Hill. Like, that's still such a solid group of, of relievers, right? And, I mean, you touched on the Hill play, which is like, yeah, I mean, he probably should have done different, right? We could say that pretty confidently, but 
I mean, at bottom of the 10th, man on second, they get the guy over to third and then two shots to get him to score and, and they couldn't do it. So I think that's the bigger issue. Although I'm not the biggest fan of that runner on second rule. Uh, but I mean, just get the guy in and it's as simple as that. But um, just the lineup was kind of weird too. I mean, you have Camposano, Profar, Kim, and Mateo, the bottom four. That's not really, it's, in my opinion, that's not really ideal bottom four lineup. Although I do really like Kim, uh, he just hasn't found a stroke yet. So it was just a weird game with the way Tingler decided to to do everything. Yeah, Kim hit the ball really hard in that game, actually. I, I would say it was a better game than game three uh, in the game that he started and he got two hits, but uh, he, he got really unlucky. And that's what I was talking about earlier. The Potters are they're not playing bad offensively, but they're not scoring runs. And that's at the end of the day, it's what matters. But they just aren't getting the job done. And we were talking about it in our EVT group chat that we have. And I'm not, I'm not just saying this to just BS it and try and sound smart. I Someone said, you got to butt him over. And I said, no, let Kim swing away. He's hitting the ball well today. And you're, you're just limiting your opportunities if you do that. Because, you know, just trying to get the one run in and tie and extend the inning, then you're going to be in the same predicament next inning. So I, I said swing away. He ended up going down to two because he failed his first two bunt attempts. He ended up doing his job of what the manager wanted to do, which was sacrifice himself and move the runner over to third. So I got to give credit to him. But Tingler wasn't allowing him to really help benefit the team. Let him swing away. He was the hot bat. It's a lefty facing a righty. Let him swing away. And he, like I said, he did his job. But then Jorge Mateo, of course, couldn't cash in. And then Marcano. But yeah, you mentioned having four rookies at the bottom of the lineup. Uh, I guess Profar's not a rookie, but having those guys at the bottom of the lineup didn't do the Padres any favors. And, you know, it was tough. And I don't know if you want to throw that lineup out there against the ace of the giant staff, but like if you want to give fam a day off, I would have probably, you know, thrown a guy in in that situation and put fam on the day off on Tuesday and then have fam play on Wednesday. And then he has the day off on Thursday and then whatnot. I, I just don't think that it was like, like I said, I don't think Tingler's a bad manager. I think he's a very good manager, but he did not do a great job in the series, and he is a small part of the reason. There's a lot of reasons of why the Potters lost the series to a team that they are, frankly, a lot better than. And, you know, O'Grady, he comes up. Why, you, you can put him in the starting lineup. It's, it's other guys like that that some of these decisions that I didn't get because Gosman, he's the ace of the Giants. He absolutely dominated the Padres. He He's looked really good to start the season. He went six – Six innings, one run against the against the Mariners. He went seven innings and one run against the Padres so far. He's looking really good. You know, I I don't want to put too much stock into it. He he just looked good. He dominated the Padres and with, with the young lineup like that, it was it was tough to say that the Padres. You know, they only got five hits, but they just they just didn't do well. But they were put in a tough spot. Yeah, and Snell had one of those hits. So I mean. Uh... Right, I forgot about that. A lot of this will be resolved when Grisham comes back because Grisham's going to start in center every single day, and you're not going to have that debate. Of, you're not going to see Profar Mateo both in the outfield on the same day when Grisham comes back. So I think uh, that's going to solve a lot of these issues with the batting order and with what he does. But all in all, I, I mean, personally, I love Jace Tingler. Like he's, 
I love Jace Tingler, and it's hard for me to ever criticize him. And he's going to do what he wants. It's it's always going to be whatever he wants, and you know he doesn't really care. So I kind of love that about him that he just sticks to his guns and well, just throw a lineup like this out there. And any other year, the Padres start four and three, we'd be through the roof with excitement, right? So this year, we're disappointed that we started four and three because that's how high the expectations have come for Padres and Padres fans. Right. I think you bring up a great point about that. Four and three is totally a pretty good start. And they've they've started off decently well the past couple of years. Last year, of course, was a better start because uh, they ended up winning the series against the Giants after starting three and one. But yeah, and the schedule eases up a lot as we're now going to move into our preview of the series against the Texas Rangers. Like I said, it eases up a lot. This next two series are against projected to be two of the worst teams in all of baseball. The Texas Rangers, one of the worst teams in the American league and that Pittsburgh pirates, pretty much the unanimous worst team in the national league. So a lot of people were saying six out of seven minimum. And I'm like, okay, slow your horses guys. Like I'm on like what I love to win six out of seven or, or sweep both these years. Absolutely. And would I be shocked if the Padres do that? Absolutely not. But the Padres are super injured right now. You're missing one of your best starting pitchers. You're missing your electric shortstop, your star center fielder, should be coming back. And even if he does, who knows if he's, you know, 100%. He hasn't seen live game action in a couple of weeks. You're missing. You're supposed to be starting catcher. You're missing a couple of bullpen arms. So people need to get, uh, press the brakes a little bit, please. Like you can't expect it's a 162 game season. And these are the series that the Potters have to win. And they 100% should. They should take, you know, three out of four at least from the Pirates. And, you know, maybe you get unlucky in one game. Like Chris Paddock is pitching against Mitch Keller, their best pitcher in the final game on a 935 AF game. You know, like Chris Paddock, who's prone to the home run ball. You know, things could get bad in that game. Like you, you can't always expect to take four to four from a team, even if they're bad. And like Texas, who knows? Like Marehome going up against Fulton Evich. Fulton Evich is a veteran pitcher. Like who knows? You, you got to gas, gas the brakes. You agree with me on that point? Yeah, for sure. We're, you know, Padre fans in general are uh, putting the expectations through the roof. So uh, calm it down a little bit. Everyone's excited, but 162 games, you know, if you go four and three every week, then you're going to end up with a pretty good record. You're, you're a playoff team. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then, of course, after that series, you're, you're facing the Dodgers for seven games in the next 10 days. So... Think things get a little harder. That's of course brutal considering the Potters injuries, but it's whatever. Get some of their games out of the way early, and then uh, things will hopefully get better after that. But starting pitchers for this three-game series for the Padres, Joe Musgrove is going to be making a second start in a Padres uniform. Spectacular, just first game. Paddock, we talked about it. Four innings, two hard runs. Didn't look good. Didn't look bad. He just kind of was okay, and. He didn't allow any home runs, which, of course, was his big problem in 2020. And he, he had let things spiral out of control. So if he can build on that, that would be a positive sign for the Padres. And then Adrian Marajon in the third game. Uh, what are your expectations for those starters in the first three games? I mean, I was really happy with the way Musgrove threw the ball last week. And uh, what a steal of a, of a trade. You know, they ended up getting him for, you know, not very much at all. So. I think the one I'm concerned about and everyone's concerned about is Chris Paddock, obviously. I mean, I love Chris Paddock. It's hard for me to say anything bad about him. 
but uh, I'm not ready to jump ship yet on Chris Paddock. I think give him a few more starts, give him some more time and see, but uh, you know, if he keeps pitching like, like he has been, you know, going back to last season, you know, he might be better off in the bullpen and the Padres have other guys they can start like Weathers and, you know, we, we could talk about the, the other starters they have if Paddock doesn't end up doing well, but Paddock's definitely the one I have circled as a, as a big question mark. Yeah. Going up against uh old friend, Jordan Lyles, that'll, that'll be interesting. Jordan Lyles. I'll never forget when he, when he took that perfect game in the eighth inning and you're always like, all right, I know it's not happening, but it's happening. And, uh, We'll forever be grateful for that, but he'll go up against Chris Paddock on that Saturday game. Other pitchers on Friday, they got Kohi Arihara. He's a rookie right-hander. Uh, he allowed, I believe, three earned runs in his first start. And then Mike fulton on the Sunday game, he's kind of bounced around the league after being an all-star in 2018. Uh, really sad what's happened to him because he was such a young and talented starting pitcher. Things went bad in the 20. Uh, the 2019 wildcard game ended up getting released and now is in Texas. So uh, what are you looking for out of those three starting pitchers? Cause they're all right-handed. I'm not really worried about their starting pitches at all. If I'm being honest, Lyles is, you know, has pitched well the last couple of years, which is a surprise, but Padres bats just need to wake up. And I think honestly, this is, looks very well could be a three game sweep for, for the Padres. If they find some way to hit and the pitchers do, what they're expected to do. I mean, even if Paddock gives up two runs in five innings on any given day, that should be enough to get the job done, especially against a Rangers team that, like you mentioned, isn't, isn't very good. Right. And last year, Padres swept Texas in a four game series. And at that point, Texas was actually playing decent baseball and the Padres had lost five straight going into that series. And they turned it around in Texas. Maybe they could do that again this year. Yeah. You mentioned the, the pitching staff for this team is not very good. And the Padres, they, they have to wake up on offense. I have said it. They're, they're hitting the ball fine. It's just not finding the gaps and the holes. And the stadium's big. Maybe they'll get hits a drop this series. Who knows? Uh, keep hitting the ball hard, and the Padres will be fine. So, yeah, you, you said they, they could walk out of the sweep. Do you, are, is that your expectation of the series? Or are you like me? Just, you know, walk in, get two out of three. If you sweep, that is absolutely fantastic. But and the Padres don't win the series. That is not good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really hard to sweep any team in the league. It's really hard to play three near-perfect games, regardless of any team, right? So I think two out of three is uh, my expectation. And if they can find a way to sweep it, then, you know, seven and three going against the Pirates is huge. And build that momentum before that Dodgers series. So I think two out of three is realistic. But I wouldn't be surprised if they swept. Time difference because these games are in Texas. So first pitch on Friday is at five o'clock. First pitch on Saturday is at four o'clock. And first pitch on Sunday is at eleven thirty. Matt, thank you for coming on Devils Talking Padres. Or tell our listeners where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at Twitter on uh, at wobblymat twenty uh, four. I tweet about a lot of stuff: Padres, Lakers, all kinds of stuff. So follow me and uh, you know stay tuned and. Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy this time. Uh, the Padres are actually putting a really good team out there. I think it's exciting. So let's just enjoy it and see where it takes us. Yep, certainly an exciting time to be a Padre fan. And hopefully this series will definitely be exciting like it was last year 
for Padres fans. The birth of Slam Diego started in Texas. It's also where the Padres season last year ended at the hands of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Hopefully things go better than that series, but that's going to wrap up Devil's Talking Padres. Thank you all for listening. Want to know this series recap? Uh, it'll be released next Monday for the series against the Pirates. You can find me on Twitter at DMster19. Bobby will return next episode. And once again, make sure to always catch our content at eastwatchtimes.com as this is an East Village Times podcast. And follow us at EBT underscore news to find out whenever we release an article or a podcast. Once again, thank you all for listening. Uh, Have a good rest of your Thursday or Friday, and hopefully the Potters win. Go Potters.